Kia ora and welcome to this episode of Better Off Red. My name is Pip Adam and this is episode 63. Um, the people around me and possibly even strangers that I meet will know the enthusiasm with which I um, yeah, meet Basewa's novel Nowhere to Be Found. Um, I just think it's possibly one of the best books I've ever read in my life. Um, I'm extremely grateful to Charlene Teo who recommended it to me. Um, yeah, it is just, it, it's it's a novel that makes me realise how much more the novel can do and it does that wonderful thing where it both makes me want to stop writing and keep writing at exactly the same time. It's a magnificent book. One person who I owe an incredible debt to um, is Sora Kim Russell, who is the translator of Basewa's novel Nowhere to be Found. Um, without Sora's work, this novel would not have been available to me and I am incredibly grateful for the masterful translation that she's put together of this and also um, quite a few other and quite a spectrum of other Korean literature. Um, yeah, she's she's an incredible translator and I was extremely excited when she agreed to um, talk to me for this podcast and it was just so great talking to her and um, yeah. I'm incredibly grateful. Um, this um, podcast, as soon as I stop talking, we'll start with um, Sora reading from Baisua's Nowhere to be Found. And yeah, I hope you really enjoy it. And thanks for listening. So, Webo강사들에게강의의뢰서를보내고그들의강의스케줄을조정해주고학생들의불만을들어주거나강사들에게급여명시표를발송해주거나 약간의 기억력과 초보적인 정도의 성실함만 있다면 겁낼 것이 없었다. 안녕. Oh, hi Sora, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Really, really good. Thanks so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, thank you for asking me. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, I reckon we should just get straight into it and I'll ask you the first question, if that's okay? I was wondering if you'd be willing to talk a little bit about how you came to be a translator. I wonder if it was a job that you knew of um, as sort of a teenager and that sort of thing, or was it something that you sort of came to through other studies? Right. Uh, I was pretty clueless, actually. <laughs> I don't know that I had any like concept of, of translation as a, as a thing, as a job. Certainly not as a job. Um, I think... I know that I, I must have read translated works, but I don't think I was aware uh, so much of them as being translated. Um, it wasn't until college that I started reading Korean literature and translation uh, that I became aware of the idea of translated literature. But even then, it wasn't. Uh, I didn't consider it uh, as a career, as something that I could do until later when I was living in Korea. Um, so I had a, I did my uh, graduate, I did a master's program in East Asian studies, and for part of that, I, and I also have family in Korea, so it was kind of a, a combination of coming to live in Korea, sort of learn about my roots, and um, and I was reading Korean literature and, and realizing that there were these great books that weren't 
available yet in translation and then um I'm kind of like I guess gradually uh, encountering this idea that translating literature was a thing you could do yeah. awesome and I think um this idea of translating literature um yeah. I don't know this I'm I'm I really don't know a lot but I always think that there must be a slightly different skill set perhaps to translating literature as opposed to translating maybe technical um I don't know instruction manuals or stuff like that and I yeah. noticed that you also write literature and I just wonder could you talk a little bit about um perhaps some of the special um sure. skills yeah yeah, uh, so yeah, I was I was uh, I was I was considering whether to keep rambling on and add a bit more, but that actually I could talk about that now. So the other way that I got into the the way that I started translating is uh so I started out doing my own writing, um, originally writing poetry, and then I was trying to learn how to write fiction, and so along with this idea of of sort of learning about translation, I kind of thought, well, maybe if I translate a story, I can sort of like reverse engineer it right like figure oh, out yeah. like, if I take it apart I, maybe I can figure out how it works and then put together my own story and so that was part of my motivation going into it was uh, I really wanted to learn more about how to write and particularly how stories uh how they work like mm. what you know what the author is doing how do you structure a story um so the unfortunate thing is now I'm I mostly just well maybe it's not unfortunate but I, I don't really do my own writing anymore but translation <laughs> sort of taken over that like creative urge um which is kind of sad in some ways maybe not so sad I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I've met other people who have this had the same idea of me of like oh I want to learn how to write by translating and nowadays I'm like ah eh, just write you know it, otherwise you might just get sucked into translating forever um <laughs> But as far as the skill set, yeah, there is definitely a difference with uh, translating other types of materials. Um, uh, and in fact, most translators are pretty specialized uh, compared to, say, an interpreter. Uh, interpreters, they go back and forth between both languages and um, they'll, you know, sort of study a subject uh, before an event in order to prep for it. Whereas for translators, we tend to be really specialized. So, for example, I only do... Uh, literature from Korean to English. Very occasionally I'll do other things, like I'll do a little bit of poetry, I was asked once to do some song lyrics, but for the most part, all I do is narrative prose, Korean to English. Um, and it's, it's uh, and so other people, like other translators, they might do only IT or only, um, uh, only legal translation. So part of it is knowing what the expectations are for that particular genre or that particular, I guess, market. Um, and then, and then I do think that uh, having with literary translation, translation, having some experience with literature, either writing it or studying it, definitely helps because you you need to know how it works, right? Mm, yeah, it's kind of it's really interesting to me because I always think of translation as a really creative act like whether right. it is whether it is translating you know I have friends that um translate um you know even just like manuals and stuff like that it always seems like there's a part of that problem solving part that yeah. I think is alive in literature as well right right yeah it's quite amazing and um, <laughs> it kind of blows my mind like I'm always so jealous of someone that can sort of have that experience with a novel and then create something new um, 
I did want to ask a question, which again will, may seem a little naive, but I was just wondering about um, the place of the novel as a form in Korean literature. Um, is it a form that goes back a long time? Or, yeah, could you talk a little bit about that? It's a really interesting question. So I don't know as much as other people because I didn't I didn't uh, study Korean literature specifically. Mm. I really kind of, I really came into it as just wanting to learn how to write uh, versus other people who uh, have spent more time studying like exactly that question of what is the place of the novel. That said, I can speak a little to it, mostly because it's a short history. Um, there, uh, usually when we talk about Korean literature, we're talking about uh, starting from like 1900-ish. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that uh, took place or developed under Japanese colonialism. So it's kind of interesting because you have um, this literature that's being written in the vernacular Korean language, but it was at a time when Korean, the Korean language was um, being sort of outlawed because under colonialism they were supposed to only be speaking and writing in Japanese. Um, and then you also have... Uh, before that, you had literature that was written in Chinese, or in Chinese characters. It was Korean, but the, the written form was Chinese. So there was something kind of interesting about having this literature that was in Korean. Um, and it's interesting, too, to look at, uh, well, so on the one hand, you have this book, or this literature that is sort of like trying to figure out a Korean identity, right? Like writing in the Korean language about uh, Korean lives. At the same time, though, the influences were very uh, multinational. So uh, a lot of the novels um, that uh, people were reading uh, were translated uh, from European languages. And you would get these uh, books that would be translated from, let's say, German into Japanese and then into Korean. So it's like an interesting sort of filtering uh, of literature. And um, when I have looked at uh, very early Korean literature, what always amazes me is how international it is. Like mm. you would expect it to be, because the image of South of Korea is that it's you know a small country, it's a, a closed country. But the early literature is like they were talking about race, culture. They're talking about uh, you know there are people from other countries. Um, so it was really quite interesting to to see those stories. So yeah, so I I, I think um, I think it has an interesting place as far as identity building in Korea. Yeah, um, sort of um, springboarding off that idea, um, I was in Barcelona a couple of years ago and I was amazed at how much um, like language in Catalan there was and um, it seemed yeah. like there was a real industry for, um, you know, that kind of thing. And I wonder, I was sort of wondering about, I'm always interested in the ratio of English books translated into Korean versus right. Korean first. You know, like, are people reading translations more or are they reading more um, Korean literature? Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I don't know the exact number, mm. but there is, a, there is a ton of translated literature. Even now, if you go to a Korean bookstore, it's, it, I almost want to say it's more translated literature than Korean, but mm. that's very, it's very subjective. It's just from glancing around, of course. Um, and certain genres like comic books, um, mm -hmm. comic books are huge, but the majority uh, are translated from Japanese still. Um, and then there are lots of English books, uh, really books from all over the world. But uh, I've, I've gotten into the habit when I'm shopping for books to always take a quick look at the author to see, like, was this written, you know, was it written in Korean or translated? And, and uh, it's 
they're kind of amazing to me how often it's, you know, translated works. Mm. Um, so it does seem like a pretty significant number, and especially if you compare it to Korean literature that's translated into other languages, yeah. that number's quite small still. Yeah. I was just thinking when you were saying that thing about um, authors, and I was thinking that I've got to a point where I'm starting to look for my favorite translators. <laughs> I was just thinking, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, I, you know, any, yeah, sorry, this is probably embarrassing, but anytime you've got a new translation out, I'm like, oh, I must grab it. You know, like it's, you know, like it, it's sort of like it feels like there's a style that I like and yeah it's kind of cool I really uh, love it I'm very <laughs> grateful I'm always grateful to translators because I would have a very small reading um you know I'd have a tiny reading world if it wasn't for translators um with that I feel like I, I was talking to an editor in New Zealand for another thing that I was doing and they were they had this theory that they were beginning to see some of the um, elements of perhaps Korean novel writing and literature in some of the New Zealand short stories that they were getting sent for journals and stuff, you know, this idea. Um, and I just wonder, do you feel like Korean literature, it, it might just be me subjectively, but it feels like there is um, something of a, I don't know, like there seem to be a lot of people interested in Korean literature outside Korea, but is that, that's probably been going for a long time. No, I, I would agree with you that it's it's recent, and I'm actually I'm really curious what uh, to hear more from you about like how what like what you see of Korean literature influencing other books. But um, but there there has been a big push for I think we've been sort of building to this moment. Uh, the really nice thing about trans being a translator of Korean literature is that we have a lot of uh, support from the government. Um, which is, it can be good or bad, <laughs> I guess, depending on how you feel about that. But it, mostly what it means is that we can afford to do the work. Because just like any writing, it's, it's you know, it, it can be hard to get by on. And you're kind of doing it alongside another job. Um, mm. And having the support makes it a lot more doable. Um, especially for, for example, books like Nowhere to Be Found. It's um, it's such a short book, right? Mm. It's such a, an odd book that... Um, uh, I mean, I'd like to think it would have done well on its own, but having uh, support, I, I think, definitely, uh, it makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference when you can go to a publisher and say, the translation is funded, here's a great book, you know. Yeah, I, can, I totally know what you mean. I think, um, just to backtrack on the thing that we were talking, I was talking to with this editor about, um, yeah. I think some of the elements we were talking about mainly, you know, because... Um, the vegetarian made a huge splash here yeah, and I think yeah. also some of the other Korean literature we were reading about and you know this goes to um I saw in particular you know like this idea of a, a fluidity of time perhaps and perhaps right. things yeah. not unfolding in complete reality you know like what we would call yeah. you know like nuts and bolts you can hit it on the head kind of reality and I think um I think that what this person was talking about was there was a little bit more freedom, perhaps a sense of freedom in the New Zealand writers that she was reading, you know, to maybe not, you know, not think that if I have a slightly um, magical or strange thing happen, I don't have to be completely speculative fiction, you know, I can still call that reality. Yeah. Yeah, it's so great. Um, going, like, the other thing that I've noticed, and this again may be subjective, is I feel like there is the most, I, I feel like um, some of the strongest um, writing by women is coming out of Korea. I just wonder if you've got a thought 
about that? Like, I mean, gender's weird, but I just wonder, do you feel like perhaps Korea is, um, you know, supports a slightly stronger literature in that front? Or, yeah, I don't know. That's a really interesting question, too. And that's another one that I, like, I would be really curious to just, like, hear your thoughts or hear, especially for people who... Uh, I guess are encountering the literature as readers as opposed to the, yeah, like my position. I, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm kind of trying to wrap my brain around it still. <laughs> like what, what, what is the deal with women's writing in Korea? It's interesting. Cause on the one hand, well, I guess globally, like there, uh, on Twitter, for example, there was, uh, has been a campaign, uh, for like women in translation, like mm. promoting the work of women writers and women translators. But Interestingly, for Korea, I feel like we've kind of had maybe even an opposite situation where female writers are pretty well represented, and most of the translators are women. Um, Actually, well, that's a bold statement. I think most of us are women. (laughs) I could be totally wrong. It's totally cool. (laughs) No, you will not be taken on the word of it. But yeah, I was just, I was just thinking about it because I was looking, um, I was looking at my bedside and I was just thinking, gosh, you know, like there's a, there's a boldness about it. And, you know, it goes to some stuff, um, that I've read, um, um, by Suase, you know, like these ideas of, um, women relating quite a lot to nowhere to be found. And, you know, like it's, it's a really, it's such it's a voice that feels so exciting because I I know that a lot of literature is often um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of dominated by wealthier people. Um, yeah. You know, the characters tend to be wealthier. They tend to be, you know, um, a lot more masculine. Yeah, and it was just a really interesting experience reading that book and then reading a couple of others after it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I'm I'm very grateful for it. Um, <laughs> I agree. I had the same feeling when I read the book cause, and I remember like one of the conversations I had with someone back when I was translating it because she talks very explicitly about class. Mm, mm. And I can't remember now. I was trying last night to find the sentence. There was one sentence where someone uh, I, I want to say it was an American friend who read the draft. They were saying like, "Oh, this sentence sounds strange." And the more we talked about it, the more we realized it was it was the word class itself that you don't usually see it called out so explicitly. And um, and then that just turned into this whole thing about like as America how Americans kind of want to pretend everyone's equal and <laughs> there is no social class. And um, so I, I, I that was one of the reasons I love the book too was that it was she's poor and she talks about it. Yeah, and I think um there is this real. Uh, you know, like I think that so much of the the stuff that comes in with the lack of money, you know, like the um, the the slightly you know less opportunities as far as education goes, and yeah, and I think yeah. um, yeah, I do. I think you're right. I think in New Zealand we have a bit of a thing about class as well, and and yeah, like it was just so refreshing to read something that felt like it didn't come from inside some privileged position it was really great yeah Yeah, I think it it captures it really well and um oh you I forgot to reply to you like you were asking about how the um city gallery event went last week and we had great conversations about that and um a lot of the people in the audience were really interested in this idea of um yeah like this idea of um a story that is perhaps about not being able to progress 
but still right. progressing kind of yeah it, and it's not yeah. yeah it's it's just it's one of the most amazing books I've ever read like um I always recommended it um by Shaoling Teo who's a um Singaporean writer and um it was so funny because she just said to me oh it's the most amazing book I've read this year um basically this woman takes a chicken to someone <laughs> and I, I was like I'm in and uh, yeah and it just is just so great and I wonder um you know these ideas are really interesting and I just wonder was there anything in particular about um, Nowhere to be Found that was difficult to translate into English? Yeah there were well uh, as far as the sort of cultural translation since we're talking about class one Mm. of the trickiest things was um, well two things uh, both having to do with Chorsu so one was his name um, and then the other was his rank in the military, and I ended up adding in a line uh, in the translation to explain um, what the deal was with his rank, that it was this sort of, so he was called an officer in training, but it was really the sort of like uh, vanity rank that was created <laughs> so that um, the privileged, so like in Korea, like all guys have to go to the military, but those who have privilege, who are wealthy or whatever, they have ways of uh, getting um an easier time basically uh and that was one of those kind of subtexts about this guy that he's like <laughs> you know complaining about being in the military but he's actually having a really easy time there compared to the others um and so making sure that that was clear that the reader would be able to understand that that they'd be able to access that that was tricky mm. um, because it wasn't really there in the korean it was just assumed that the korean reader would know and then um and then the other was uh with the I guess structure the um, Pesua plays pretty fast and loose with verb tense, which mm. is something you can do in Korean. Uh, you don't it, Korean is not nearly as exacting with verb tense um, as we are in English, um, and so there was a bit of a dilemma as far as like, do I just do exactly like <laughs> translate verb tenses exactly as they appear in the original, or do I sort of refigure them in the English? Like, not without normalizing it, but, you know, to sort of uh, find a pattern that will sort of keep the reader off balance enough without completely losing them or making it look like I just did a horrible job (laughs) on the translation. So that was probably the biggest thing was uh, figuring out what to do with with tense. Because I think that's what... um... You know, like I always think that I, I think I wrote this in my notes to you, but I I always imagine there's this perfect language, which means that I can shift in between, um, yeah. you know, in between time. And I think that, you know, this is such a characteristic of, of the book, you know, and one of the most enjoyable parts of it is this, this almost slippage between past and future and present. Yeah. Yeah. It's... And I'm still not entirely sure when things happen in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that. Like I was thinking yeah. about it when I when I reread it for the event last week. I was like, ah, oh, I just love. It, it reminded me of that movie Gravity when they're in space and like yeah. there's no up and no down, and it's just the most wonderful experience because yeah. you're sort of traveling with the writer. It's so good. Um, yeah. I've got this that you've started sort of talking a little bit about voice. I guess tense. We can say that's part of voice, but um. Everyone keeps talking, well, the people that I read that have read it in Korean and in English keep talking about what a great do- job you've done of capturing the voice oh. of the novel. And um, 
I, you wrote this great thing, you said, I think my approach is a combination of text analysis and method acting. And I just <laughs> I just love that quote so much because I feel like all writing may be that. <laughs> it's just right, so perfect. Right. You've just yeah. put your finger, you know, put the nail on the, what do they call it? The hammer on the nail. Um, could you talk a little bit about, like, how do you capture a voice that's as um, particular as this one? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. <laughs> It's, it's tricky. I mean, it's the hardest, but it's like the ultimate goal with mm-hmm. translation, but it's also the one where you really never know if you got it because how do you really sound like someone as if they were speaking in another language, right? Mm, yeah. Um, but I, so by text analysis, but it is something I try to, you know, that really fascinates me. So text analysis, I do think, so I, to back up a little bit, when people talk about translation, um, what I often hear is uh, people saying things like, well, I tried to capture the spirit of the text or, uh, you know, we talk a lot about like literal versus liberal and that's always the thing that comes back is the spirit. And it kind of bugs me. Like I get what they mean, but at the same time, it's like, what is the spirit? It's so disembodied. It's so, you know, it's so like, it's so abstract that it's almost like saying any translation is fine because you can never really prove what the spirit is. Um, So by text analysis, I, the way that I've kind of thought about is I feel like there is, a physical um, element of style that it's the, there's the physical words on the page, right? Like the writer has selected these words and arranged them and placed them on the page, and and we can study that. Like we can look at it, like like um I don't know, like almost like in archaeology. Like these are this is where it is, and and then um and and fig and try to strategize about what do we keep? How do we recreate some of that structure? Some of that arrangement um in the translation and then the method acting i think is the spirit part of it for me because there's the writer's voice right and then which i consider the that like the arrangement of things on the page but then there's also the character which isn't always exactly the same as the writer Mm. um and and you want the character to sound alive Uh, and so i do try to sort of connect with the character in some way like find some common element or try to like imagine myself in their lives. Um, so with a character, with a book like this, it was really a matter of just like, okay, how did I feel in my twenties? Um, or even in my thirties, like it, it, it was sort of like tapping into that feeling of being kind of lost and frustrated, but, and cynical, and like that whole just combination of events and thinking about like the choices that I've known, um, and trying to feel what she was feeling as, as I translated so that the way the words looked and sounded in English would feel true to me. Um, and it gets really subjective, of course, when you do that. But, but I think it, it, I think that's what I was getting at was this combination of like, uh, trying to understand and respect what the author put on the page and then finding a way to connect with it in myself, uh, so that I could understand what the character was feeling. Man, that is so great. Like, because it just occurred to me that I imagine, yeah, I'm just imagining myself and my immorality and how I could imagine (laughs) sort of thinking to myself, it's fine, that's the spirit of it, you know. And every now and then I will talk about a work and say things like, I think what they were trying to get at. And, yeah, it's just such an interesting, and it's such a great, um, it just reminds me, it reminds me a lot of, um, 
like um, the work we do in workshop and creative writing, you know, like we try to, any thought we have about maybe the tone or the, the less tangible things, we tie, we try to tie back to something on the page, you know, in yeah. the black and white kind of. Oh, I just, I really love it. It's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. I just need to let that sink in. Um, you, um, one of the things I'm really interested in the book um, is, well, actually, I might ask this first. Um, Basila said that um, she thinks that women, um, that female readers respond quite positively to the book. And that's right. been my experience as well. Like, it's it's a little book that's kind of doing the rounds of all my sort of cohort. And I just wonder... What do you think is the attraction of the book? Like, what f- maybe what first attracted you to the book? Yeah, it's, a, it's really, really cool to hear that because I know for me the book felt really personal. Mm. And I thought, you know, I so it's really great to hear that it's, it's being read the same way. For me, when I first read, so it was suggested to me by the literature trans... Uh, so, uh, uh, someone at the Literature Translation Institute of Korea uh, wanted to promote Pesua, and they had this book in mind as as um, uh, one to have translated, and they approached me about it because I had translated one of her short stories mm, before. Yeah. So I thought, all right, well, I'm about to go on vacation. I'll just take a book with me and, and read mm-hmm. it. So I was sitting on a beach in Vietnam, of all places, <laughs> reading what has to be, like, the least, like, beach reading. <laughs> reading. <laughs> And at first, I was just like, what the heck? Like, what is this? Like, what's happening? What is this book about? And then at some point, it just sort of, like, clicked. And I was like, yes, this is this is something. There's something that just feels like I've, I've been here. Um, I've been in this place. And I couldn't really put it in words. Like, I couldn't really explain what it was that, uh, that clicked with me. It just felt very intimate and familiar and... Yeah, and like something, it was that uh, putting words to something that I hadn't put words to before. Um, ah, that's really vague, but oh, <laughs> anyway, I that, was, that was how I encountered it, and I just thought, yeah, I really, really want to translate this book. Um, and then later, after it came out, I uh, was talking to someone who had read the book, and she re- described it as... Um, a really good description of disassociation. Mm. And I thought, ah, oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's what it was. It was that, you know, that, that experience, that feeling that unfortunately some or maybe many of us have had of, of, of disassociating for whatever reason. And, and somehow she put that on the page. It is just incredible. I totally feel very similar. Like I just right from that very first telephone conversation at work with the academic that's the wrong, you know, the one that she's been sending the wrong notes to. Um right from the very beginning it was just so yeah, there's yeah. just this I don't know how she's done it. It's quite incredible. Right. And it's just I just yeah, it feels like and and that's the thing that we keep, you know, when we talk to each other about this book, it seems to, we just feel like we haven't read it anywhere else. And, you know, th- th- it's just, yeah, it's just so great. I think I've got one more question, and it's it's a question that's rambly, and I don't know if it's going to work as a question. But one of the things that um, I just absolutely loved was this idea of doubling, you know, the idea that... Um, there's a soldier that's fallen and they're called Chosu and there's another Chosu and just this idea that 
is he the one that's fallen is he the one that's still you know still alive I just wonder can you talk a little bit that seems like a difficult thing to do in English like it just and I don't know what it's like to do in Korean but this idea of having two possibilities at play at the same time could you talk a little bit about that yeah, no, that was definitely that was one of the things I was fascinated with as well. And it comes up throughout the book because mm. you mentioned the, the, the person she has a phone call with. And then later there's another phone call that is almost identical but not. And you think, is that the same person? Um, and same with like the there are these interludes where she's in her house that is now falling down with a man. And we don't know who the man is. And um, uh, yeah, it was just one of the things that fascinated me. Uh, one thing I, I, I should have, I really should have um, asked the writer more about it. She translates literature as well, including mm-hmm. German literature. Mm. And, um, and I wondered, like, I mean, there's the idea of the doppelganger, right? So I don't know if she, that was something she got, um, if she was influenced by something that she had read when she wrote this. But the, there is something very sort of ghostly, and, dare say gothic about that, like, yeah, this sort of haunting. As far as the language, uh, she does it in a very straightforward way mm. in the Korean. Um, and I did my best to just, like, I would actually say this is probably one of my more literal translations because I really felt like I don't want to explain anything that's going on. I want it to just read the way it reads in the Korean because she makes these really uh, interesting leaps. Um, and I do think that that is, is doable uh that kind of slippage uh like i said with tense tense is is easier to play with in korean and then it's um a high contact language right like you don't have to you you sort of trust the reader to read between the lines and so uh it's common to read korean books that don't really explain a lot or that have gaps in things and i think that she's sort of my impression is that she's sort of playing with that so there are the gaps but they're not in the places you would expect them to be normally. I don't know if I'm answering your question. I feel oh like my I'm God. I just feel <laughs> like you've blown my mind. I love that so much. I'm just, I think it, 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 it's like everything I could have wanted an answer and more. Like I just, yeah, I, I just love this idea. And I do often wonder if this is, um, yeah, this idea of the gaps being there but in the wrong places because the book does seem so playful like that. And then, you know, there was the added weird doppelganger thing of reading it in translation, like sort of reading it and knowing that there was this other text sitting somewhere. Yeah, I just I just thought right. it was fantastic. It's so good. Oh, my goodness. I think we're done. Thank you so much. So I really appreciate it. Oh, I did want to add before. Oh, yeah. I want to say, too, that I read your book, I'm Working on a Building. Oh. <laughs> and I really, I really loved it. I kept thinking about it because we were talking about tense and um, and then I mentioned structure. And, I, like, in the back of my mind, I was thinking about that book because I was just so – the way that you invert, I guess, the sort of usual, like, plot, right? Like, you go, you're going backwards and, and the note you had at the back about um, structural engineering, I was just – like yeah <laughs> <So bad. laughs> oh thank you so much i like buildings a lot <laughs>
<laughs> I like it. I think I'm better with them than with people. But um, no, I really, I really, thank you. That means heaps. Yeah, and I think that is why, um, that is probably another part of the mix that I just loved about this book. Like I've, I always yeah. feel like I'm trying to break free of time whenever I'm writing. Yeah. And yeah, that's so good. And it made me feel like I wish I could have read your book when I was working on the translation because <laughs> they almost are in conversation with each other in that way. Oh, man, that's awesome. Oh, that's made my day. Thank you so much. <laughs> Oh, I'll be walking. Oh, I feel good. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, Sora, and have a really lovely afternoon. Thank you. Thanks heaps. <laughs>